to episode three of season two of Oversharing Wearing. You're probably aware, some of you that listen to my podcast, that I haven't done one for a while. And to be honest, I've been putting off doing this episode. You can probably hear in my voice that I'm a bit nervous because what I want to talk about is particularly painful. And when I started my journey of writing this podcast, my biggest thing was to be honest and to maybe tackle subjects that aren't always easy to talk about. What I've found since through doing the podcast is that I've experienced the opposite of what I was expecting. I thought I'd feel more exposed and vulnerable, but actually it's not been like that. I don't think it's that straightforward at all. In a way, I've sort of felt a bit selfish doing the podcast because I've spoken about my innermost issues and I've put them out there and hoped for the best. And it's been an enormous relief, actually. Like I've taken away some of the burden and I'm not hiding behind a wall of pain so much. And it's given me a chance to forge stronger connections with people or to have an opportunity to to chat to people about their experiences and for me that's just been incredible. Okay so this episode is about complicated relationships and whether it's your partner or a family member this one is for you. I'm dedicating this one to you guys. Obviously most relationships are complicated and there are layers of difficulty And it's what makes us human, is to have these relationships and have things to deal with. But actually, it's how we navigate them that reveals a lot about ourselves and how we value ourselves in how we respond to other people's behaviour. The thought of doing this episode has caused me a lot of anguish. I've gone to write it a few times, had loads of thoughts about it, and then I've just basically had to say to myself, to be kind to myself, actually, right now isn't the right time to talk about this. For myself, it I just, it would be a bit much, but I've given myself some time and I feel more able to talk about it. And I think that's a, a new thing I've learned, that rather than forcing situations, I've given myself some boundaries with with how I feel and thought, well, listen to that. If if that's how you feel, then be kind to yourself, just step back a bit. I think the reality is that I'm going to talk about my mum, but I also, I've so not wanted what I'm going to talk about to be real that I've never really, I've I've spoken to friends and people have known part of the relationship I have with her. I also feel to a certain extent, slightly disloyal and and in talking about it that I'm sort of shattering an illusion. But it's not, it is an illusion because what I'm going to talk about is is the truth and, and my side of how I feel about things and the the effect it's sort of had on me. I understand that we all have you know, our crosses to bear with our parents and people who've listened to my podcast before and listened to the one about my dad 
will understand maybe why this one is so difficult to record. And and I've sort of had this huge amount of sadness, but I'm trying to sort of confront it head on and feel like if this can help one person, because I think part of issues with mental health is that we keep batting away things that how we really feel because we're too scared to admit the truth. And if we do that, then it's out there. And in a funny way, the episode I did with my dad was more of a kind of band-aid approach. It was like, right, I'm just ripping it off. I'm just going to put it out there. But this is incredibly different for me. I kind of feel like, when I was younger, I always had my mum on a pedestal. She'd always been this glamorous, beautiful woman and everyone had obviously, was always talking to me about how amazing she was and how well she dressed. And because my dad was such an awful dad, there was obviously going to be pressure on my mum to have to step up and to fill the shoes and be both parents. But I think the reality is that she felt from when I can remember, she's always been resentful about being a mum. And I know that's harsh, but I think on some level it it hasn't really served her well. She's not a particularly maternal person. I think she wanted to make roots and to have her own family because her own upbringing had been so terrible. And I I... I think this is where it started for me from a young age, knowing her upbringing, that I couldn't understand why she behaved the way she did. If she didn't have love in her life and and if her parents treated her with disdain, why was she doing the same? I do understand it and it can be really difficult to break the cycle of behaviour that you or how you've been treated. But it's that she never moved away from being like that and it was like my dad was so shit that it felt like she didn't have to make any any effort as a result so from a really really young age when she had difficulty breastfeeding me when my brother came along she really wanted to get that right and again I understand that I'm a mum myself you know it it is important some to some mums to be able to breastfeed so if I came near her, she'd tell me to go away. I also remember from a young age her saying that she had more of a connection with my brother, that she felt very close to him. And automatically that made me feel resentful and an outsider. I was always like the comedian, wanting attention, being a bit silly And I think in all honesty, she found it a bit embarrassing. I don't think, I think she found me a bit cringy, to be honest, even when I was little and just, you know, showing off. You know, I was just a child. She did have moments of being very loving when I was little and present, but it felt like you you never knew when that was going to happen. And I would try to hold on to the times when she was lovely and it was great And it did feel like basking in the sun, but then the sun would go in and you'd be left feeling cold again and just, you know. And it was it was very confusing as a child to have a mum that was could kind of swerve between being quite loving and sweet and then just completely 
disinterested. And I get that it must have been difficult being married to my dad. He was so changeable and she pretty much had to raise me and my brother alone because he worked so much and, you know, when he was home he was fraught and angst-ridden and and difficult so you know she she basically had to do a like the lion's share of looking after us and I think because her parents were in France and there, there was nobody there to help her and she's always maintained that she just got on with it and that she never complained there was just always a mixture of disdain and putting me down and it got worse when I was a teenager she'd berate my outfit one time I saw her when I was with some friends and we were out shopping and I'd put a hair clip in my hair and she physically pulled it out along with some of my hair in front of them because she said it looked so awful and I was kind of like it was like it was a way of almost having control of me to put me down or to make me look bad in front of other people. I don't know why she did it. She always had loads of friends and was very liked by a lot of people. But it was almost like she had to have the upper hands. And another way she did that is by basically talking about me to my brother, putting me down to him, saying stuff that I'd done, you know, saying I was annoying. And so he always has been, and even now, to a certain extent, and we're both in our 40s, is wary of me. And she did a lot of damage by doing that. I was very confused growing up because I had such a changeable dad and then a mum who could be changeable in a completely different way. And I, and I found it really, really hard to cope. I know that she loved me and I know she still loves me. Um, but I, in all honesty, it felt like she'd always been in competition with me. It got much worse the older I got. And when I was about 14, my mum nearly died. She'd been complaining bitterly for a long time about my dad and how she couldn't cope with him. And I think the stress and anxiety and the responsibility of his behaviour did contribute to her getting ill. But the shock of her going into hospital literally brought on my period the next day. And I was so frightened and alone. When she got home from hospital, my dad insisted on keeping her away from me and my brother I was so confused and it took months for her to get better and that's when my dad got worse. She never sort of challenged him or tried to talk him down. Instead, she'd confide in my brother and I that she thought he might try and kill us. I mean, can you imagine saying to a young person, you know, what what if your dad kills us? It was like she had no filter and she had no idea of what, what impact that would have on on me and my brother. And as a result, you know, she'd say, oh, I'm nervous of the knives in the house. You know, what what if, you know, he, he kills us in our sleep? So even now, it's really embarrassing to admit, but I have like one bread knife and two really blunt, like little knives. I, I absolutely hate them. It made me constantly alert to his moods because of her fear that he would you know, go too far.
And when he did direct his anger at me, I think the hardest, one of the hardest things for me is that even when he was like physically standing over me and screaming, she'd just stand there. I'd be terrified and I get that she was probably scared as well. But I had no one to protect me, no one to say, you know, what are you doing? And, you know, outwardly, you know, she had a nice life. She thought she was looked amazing and she didn't seem, and I think this is the crux of it, that affected by my dad. And because of a lot of it was directed at me, it, I don't know, this sounds strange, but I don't know if that made it manageable for her. I don't know. Maybe she, you know, was struggling with it, but it, it never appeared like that to me. We kind of talk about it now. She'll bring it up every once in a while because now she's in her 70s and she'll say, I've got two regrets. Slagging you off to your brother and not protecting you. And for a long time, my automatic response was, it's okay, mum. You know, you did what you did at the time. It's completely fine. Okay, well, it's not fine. But... I didn't want her to feel bad and I thought if I said it was okay, maybe on some levels it was going to be okay. And I think she was scared to leave him. I think she was just thought, I think she just tried, maybe from her own upbringing, just to block as much of it out as possible and to just try and get on with things. But I could handle all of that. But what was really difficult was that her behaviour towards me as I got older, just got worse and worse. And the comments and the digs and the disdain were just constant. And when I started at boarding school when I was 16, it was just such a relief to be away from home. I think on some levels, I've always been and was from quite a long early age, just very angry with her. She was pretty disinterested in my life. And when I was a typical teenager, you know, having a bit of a hormonal moment or, you know, not maybe behaving very well, she had no qualms about getting very nasty and, you know, putting me in my place. And I kind of was thinking, well, how come you can be like that to me? But, you know, she never tested the water. Maybe if she had said to him you know, stop it, you know, don't hurt Sophie. Maybe it would have shocked him. I don't know. I I guess we'll never know now. And it's like, I can remember so many put downs, like when I'd gone away for six weeks, two weeks in Holland and four weeks in France. And the first thing she said was, well, you've put on weight. And it was like she had to say something damning. And and I never said, can you not say that to me? I didn't, I didn't have the emotional tools to push back and to say, mum, can you not? And there have been countless incidences where I've been totally crushed. And I think one of the biggest betrayals as an adult was that she didn't hide the fact that she thought my first husband was really attractive. I mean, Jesus, uh, yeah. She'd actually flirt with him and I would be sitting there pregnant and thinking, well, this is a new low. She would fawn over him. He loved the attention, obviously, and it, but it didn't, obviously it was bloody weird, but it didn't stop either of them. And, 
And I, that was just, it, it, it was such a betrayal from my mum. But I've been having therapy since January, which I have mentioned in other episodes. I thought it was a lot about my dad. And I have realised that, in a way, the more painful part of my childhood and upbringing has been about my mum. Because I so didn't want to believe that she could not be a nice person. I so didn't want to think that she was capable of being nasty. My dad was, it was obvious. And I find it so painful because I wanted her to be perfect. I put her on a pedestal and I wanted her to be the rescuer and to tell my dad to fuck off, that I was her daughter and what was he doing and that she wasn't going to put up with it anymore. And I've been really angry this year about it. I've silently raged. I felt incredible sadness and I've wanted so much to understand it and when we've kind of gone towards talking about it she doesn't she doesn't remember anything if I bring something up she'll just look completely shocked and say well I don't remember that at all I don't remember your dad doing that I don't remember him being like that are you sure almost like cross-examining me and that is to me is gaslighting Because it happened, obviously I was a child, my view on it might have been stronger or more emotional, but it definitely happened. And when someone else is going, well, was it really that bad? It it makes it so much worse. So what I'm going to talk about leading up to that, the hardest thing I think I've had to deal with was when I was in my first marriage, uh, was particularly violent. And I'd managed to get him out of the flat. I rang my mum. I was hysterical. And I said, you've got to come over. And she said, well, I've got to wash my hair. I've just run a bath. It took her an hour and a half to drive five minutes from where she lived because she had to do all the stuff she had to do. There was no sense of urgency. I know as a mother to two daughters or two and two sons either if something happened in that situation i would drop everything to be with them instantly whereas her thing was i've this is my plan and i'm having a bath and i've got to wash my hair and i'll i'll come to you when i can and it was so coercive there was so much of that and there's been incidences when I was pregnant with my third child and I was losing amniotic fluid and they said that I needed full bed rest and I asked my mum to help and she said it wasn't her responsibility. And then when my daughter was born and she was okay, um, my mum took me out for a a lunch. She just basically turned around to me and said, look, I'm not going to be the doting granny. I've got my own life. And it felt like okay, you've treated me the certain way, but you can't do that to my children. They, they don't deserve this. And now, you know, my children are a lot older and she has a really, really good relationship with my eldest daughter. And, and that's brilliant, you know, and, and I, I'm glad of that. But there's a bit of me that's like, sees how loving she is to her, 
almost laughs at my do- my daughter's foibles and seems to just get her. And it's like, well, why didn't you understand me? When she got really a, a year ago and she had two suspected heart attacks, I was terrified because I've I've always wanted to have a good relationship with my mum, despite everything. I've always loved her. I've been angry and in denial about a lot of this that I'm talking to you about, because it's just been too painful. And I so, so, so not have not wanted this to be my reality. And also I'm scared of people thinking badly of her. I know that's ridiculous. But I'm scared of that. I I don't I've I I don't want to. I don't know. I don't know what the what what it is that there's this weird thing where I feel disloyal, but I also have to talk about it because it's part of what's made me not well at points. And when I haven't been well, she has been nowhere to be seen. It's been other people that have taken me to the doctor looked after my children because she she didn't she wasn't around now she's at the stage of her life where she needs me and I'm really conflicted because I want to be there for her and I want to be the better person and when she had her second suspected heart attack I moved in with her and I had to leave everything at that front door and just be the best daughter I could and even then she'd be I'd be like plumping up her cushions and getting her some water and she'd be like well your hair is such a shame you've got hair like straw I've always been so lucky with my hair everyone talks about how amazing my hair is and then or we'd be eating something and she'd be like well you don't eat as much as I thought you were it's a shame you're the size you are and I'm just like what really you even now when you've been in hospital and in a pandemic and I've moved out of my home and left my children with my husband, even now, you're putting me down. (laughs) And it's like, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of really, really, really not. And it's, I'm not going to lie, it's completely screwed me up. So this year has been about like unpicking that. And actually, what is working is to just have degrees of separation. And to try, I, I don't, I don't need her anymore. Those days when I had small children and, a, and a, an hour so I could nap, those days have gone. And in a way, I'm like, thank God, because it gives, there's been a power struggle there. And I don't know why. And, you know, we do love each other and I will spend time with her. But honestly, sometimes I'll, I'll be with her and I just want to lash out. I know that's awful. I'm not proud of that. But physically, I've just wanted to just, hit her and then I'm just full of shame and remorse but I think it's because I've got nowhere to put this anger the same with my dad I I don't know where to to put this so this year has been about putting in boundaries and what I've understood from having therapy is that actually I've had trauma that has affected my development so I've not found it easy to cope with things and I've not had the tools to deal with what life throws at me so now I'm in a healthier place and I'm trying to understand how to speak to my children now they're older rather than resorting to you know becoming the teenager as well for this is just an example or to 
give myself time to, if, if I feel bad, right, okay, go for a walk, listen to some music, rather than getting to that point of panic attack, complete anxiety. And when I do kind of talk to her about anxiety, because she, funnily enough, she has really struggled with it this year. Now she's interested. Now she wants to hear. It's like there's whole big chunks of my life and details that she she's not been interested in or wanted to know. But it was nice for me to be able to help her, actually, even though there was a part of me thinking, well, where were you? But I don't want to keep point scoring. That's the other thing. I helped her. I was there for her. I will always be there for her. But it has to be a bit more on my terms. And that's what I would say is listen to your gut, have your boundaries. If you feel anxious and bad, you feel anxious and bad. There's a reason for it. Maybe it's from something that happened a week ago. Maybe it's like a muscle memory. But one of the healthiest things I've done is say, my mum wasn't always very nice to me. And I found it very hard to cope with that because it was a lot more black and white with my dad. And it's hopefully going to make me a better mum and a better person for understanding healthier relationships and boundaries. And if it doesn't feel right, I'm just not going to push it and I, I need to protect what you know my sanity I don't I don't want to be talking about this when I'm 60 I kind of want to put some of this to bed and I think that's healthy but there is another side of me the little girl that feels terribly sad and misunderstood and so wanted to have loving parents but I've got a loving husband I have loving friends I have my amazing kids that's okay sort of <laughs> today it's enough and that's the thing I'm kind of like well okay today I'm all right and and I feel okay but that might change and and I'm trying to push through with my therapy still to learn how to readdress stuff in a more emotionally level-headed way and to take my time with it whether or not I will get to have conversations about where which actually matter with my mum because I don't want to, you know, unleash the kraken or be a bit like, well, when I was 14, you ripped a hair slide out of my hair in front of all my friends. I, you know, that, that's, that time's been and gone. But what I'm saying is we can we can revisit that as an adult and say, well, that was shit and that was her. That said a lot more about her than you. I don't know. I think I'm waffling now. <laughs> so I'm going to go. I feel really sad, but I'm glad that I've told you guys this. And I'm sending you so much love. And if you sometimes feel that a friendship or relationship is not great, then it probably isn't. And don't keep lying to yourself because it will come out in the end. So lots of love, guys. Take care and I'll speak to you really soon.